Uh, this morning I'm going to give a message here that was placed on my heart a few weeks ago when Pastor Niles was preaching in his series, uh, Talking Back to God. And um, I was, a lot of times this happens, is you can just be reading through your Bible or anything like that and, and, and God just lays something on you. And he did that. And uh, I thought, well, I better talk to Pastor Niles about this. And uh, we got a chance to connect uh, earlier this week, and we just said, you know what, let's, let's do it on Sunday. So my message formulated from a moment I had while we were in this series of talking back to God. And, and so with it being in Malachi, where his series was, I'm going to be in Malachi today in chapter 4. So if you want to turn to Malachi chapter 4, uh, that's where we're going to be. I want to pray quick before, though, and ask the Lord to really settle our hearts and dial us into what He has for us this morning. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray together? Father, I thank You so much again for this morning, the opportunity to, to gather together and rally around Your Word and, and to hear from You. And so, Father, I pray that You would speak, speak through me. Uh, may I be an open vessel for what it is that You have for us this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word and how it teaches and instructs us. And, and Father, I pray we would yield to your spirit and your leading and we would respond. We wouldn't just be listeners this morning, but we'd be people who really take this deep down into our heart and apply it into our lives. So, Father, have this time. We commit it to you. We want to glorify you. We want to honor you with this. And so meet us here now. Speak to us so that we can respond. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, this sermon uh, is titled, The Answer for America. And that might seem a little bold, like, wow, you, you've got the answer, huh? Well, I don't see your name on the ticket. But uh, I really believe this is the answer. And so I, I lay that out, and you can judge it all you want. But I still will believe this is the answer. So I hope today, as you walk away, you feel it is as well. And if you don't, um, I mean, we can talk afterwards. I'd be happy to talk with you and hear your thoughts as well. But I, I really feel like this is something God laid on my heart. So I'm going to read now from Malachi chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It says, The Lord of heaven's army says, The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. And on that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw, and they will be consumed, roots, branches and all. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go free, leaping and, and, and with joy like calves led out to a pasture. And on that day when, when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. And look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. And his preaching will turn the hearts of their fathers to the children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and I will strike the land with a curse." So reading that, as I was sitting over in the pew when Pastor was walking through Malachi and 
just kind of setting in that scenario, I, I just felt like God really highlighted the last two verses there for me. And saying, look, I'm going to send you this prophet Elijah. And his preaching will turn the hearts of their, the, the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Now, as I was putting this message together this week, I really strongly just felt... Uh, the way kind of I put my messages together, I'll bullet point things. And I'll look at the bullet point, and then I'll talk about it, and I'll come back to my next bullet point. But what was being laid on me was not just bullet points. It was paragraphs worth of stuff. And, and so I could just sit here and, and just read to you. But this first section, I, I do want to do that because I don't want to miss what I really felt God was placing on my heart. So I, I just want to read this to you because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, and I, I just want you to hear my heart and some things that the Lord laid on me this week. In the Bible... Curses and blessings were often conditional. That is, they depended on people's actions. Curses can be reversed by repentance and obedience toward God, and blessings can be withdrawn because of an unrepentant heart and disobedience toward God. Our nation today is under a curse. And if you're listening to me right now and you don't think America is under judgment or a curse, then I want you to hear me out. There are natural consequences of saying no to God. You're saying no to his blessings and his provision and saying no to his answer for the curse of sin. Now you and I know that Tuesday, November 8th is a very big day for our nation. And the candidates running for president will play a huge role in the direction of our country. And we see it countless times in the Old Testament that as the king goes, so do the people. Your vote matters. Your vote needs to be informed and back with much discernment and prayer. But let's be real here. With all of the candidates that are running for president, not a single one is the true answer for our problem in this country. Not a single one can truly fix the mess that we are in. Jesus is the only one who can lift us out of this curse. He is the only one who can bring us true blessings. Now, unlike the Old Testament kings in America, the people are the ones who select leadership. And our current election cycle is a very revealing symptom of the problem in this nation. It's going to take homes getting right with Jesus it's going to take entire families saying that they want to follow Jesus and have him be Lord of their life. That's what will turn this nation around. And if people are unwilling to repent of their rebellion toward God, we will continue to spiral as a nation. And that's what I wanted to share this morning as far as what I just felt led, and I didn't want to bullet point that because there's a lot in there. But in this verse that I just read to you from Malachi, it says Elijah's message will come. And, and if you listen to that message, it says he'll, th there'll be just a, a harmony within the family. But if you refuse to receive that message, you'll be cursed. And so when, when Malachi references Elijah, it was actually, it, it was a prophetic view of 
John the Baptist who was going to be coming. The New Testament says, in fact, you know, Elijah, who we talked about, this is him. This is him, John the Baptist. That's who we're referring to. And John the Baptist's message was repent and turn to God. And Malachi says, if you don't want that message, then you're going to have a curse over your family. There's going to be a curse. And if you have family after family after family saying no to God, you will have an entire culture that is cursed, that doesn't want to repent, doesn't want to turn to God. If you don't respond to this message, you'll begin to see a fallout in the family, you'll see a fallout in homes, and a fallout of an entire culture. That's the problem in America. We don't, we don't want to repent of our sin. We love our sin too much in America. We want to do what we want to do, not what God wants to do. I mean, we don't want that authority, that reign. We, don't, we want to be Lord over our lives, not Him. But if you continue with that lifestyle, you continue with that thinking, you remove God's blessing over your life. You remove it. You say, God says, look, if that's what you want to do, fine. Go for it. I want to give you some stats this week as I was just thinking about fathers and their families and just the unit and just talk about a few things that I did some research on, some statistics here. This is from the Gospel Coalition. Connections that they've been able to research and make. When a father has good relationships with his children, this is the natural flow of what can happen in a home where there's good relationships between a dad and his kids. Children have better cognitive skills. They have less behavioral problems. They have higher educational achievements and an overall stronger well-being. They're less likely to abuse substances. They're less likely to give in to peer pressure, and they're less likely to get incarcerated. These are statistics they've seen. This is research they've done. I'm not just making this up, making assumptions. I'm pulling this off of research. They notice that with daughters that have good relationships with their dads, they're less likely to experience depression. They're less likely to give in to sexual immorality, and they're less likely to become pregnant before they get married. And as far as sons that have good relationships with their dads, they're also less likely to give in to sexual immorality. And they're more likely to have a stable marriage in the future. The relationship with the father is huge inside a home. It has great impact. And in this research, they say, too, the children that are in homes that don't have dads, they're four times more likely to live in poverty. That influence is huge. And I look at this passage in Malachi and I say, you know, if we would just repent and get right with God, there's just going to be a natural outflow of his blessing over the home. I'm not saying you can walk out of here and it's just all going to, you know, flow. It takes work. But it sure is nice having that blessing over your home as you're trying to work at it. The bottom line here is children raised in God-fearing homes are more likely to fear God themselves. That's a no-brainer. If there's people in the house fearing the Lord, it's likely that they will also as well. What they see mom and dad doing, that'll follow. Another uh, uh, research here, this is from the, uh, the Pew Research Center. The most important thing that a, dad, that a dad could give to his family. They polled Americans. They said, what is the most important thing that dad could give to the family? 
the number one answer was values and morals. I'm looking to dad to give me values and morals. Any guess what the second one was? Love, emotional support. Nailed it right on the head. They're looking for emotional support from their dad. The next one, discipline. And then the last one, they're looking for financial provision, that dad's the provider of the home. Some dads think that their only role in the family is to put food on the table and be the voice of discipline. But as you see, what, what, what we're asking for is much more than that. We're asking for so much more than that. The last thing your kids will think about when they stand before God is how you financially provided for them. The last thing your kid will think about when they're standing before God is not whether or not you provided for them financially. It's whether or not you instilled godly values and morals in them and provided that emotional support. Your kids need solid biblical guidance, and not just from the church, but from you, dads. We'll help, but they need it from you in the home. And they need your emotional support, and not just from mom or from friends. A lot of, and I was talking to somebody this week when I threw out those stats, and they, and they said, um, often they look to mom for emotional support. They need it from both. They need it from both. And they need it from you, dads. As I was preparing this, I also felt led to send a survey out to the students that I work with every week. An anonymous survey. I said, here's some questions I have for your dads and your families. I want you to respond to these. Okay? So here's my first question. About 34 kids replied to my survey. One question was, what are some things you wish you had more of in your family? What do you think the number one answer was? What do you think, what do you wish you had more of in your family? Time together. Two-thirds out of all the kids that replied said, I want more time with my family. Now let that sink in for a second. Families, we can run all over the country doing this, that, the other thing, and split several different ways doing our thing. But the kids are asking for time, time with their families. That's their heart, calling out to their parents right now, I want more time with you. Another question I asked, in regarding to those four things that are on the screen, what's the most important thing that you need from your dad with those four things? 95% of the responses were those top two. I want my morals and values from my dad, and I want emotional support. Now, I know jokingly sometimes dad might say, you know, hey, I'm going to go out tonight, and dad will open up his wallet, you know, and hear, or dad, can I, how many of you dads have heard, dad, can I have some money? Okay. Two. Wow. <laughs> now, some of you are laughing because you know that's not the truth. You've heard that question before. I know that might seem sometimes like that's all the relationship is, but I'm telling you, these students are crying out for leadership inside their homes. 
And putting this message together, I also just took a second to sit back and just kind of think about the fact that we also, understanding the, the things that can happen. There might be families here this morning that it's a single parent home. And so the things I'm talking about today, you're, you're just like, wow, you know, this just beats me down. And there might be families here that they're blended families. There's coming together of, of you know, step-siblings and step-parents. And, and maybe there's families in the room today that you've been hurt by somebody inside your family. And I'm sitting here saying, oh, you just need to get along and, and God will bless you and the curse will be removed. And you're like, well, let's just think about my situation for a second. It's a little more complicated than mom, dad, and some siblings. Or maybe you're sitting here and, and you just think tensions are kind of high right now within my family. And just thinking about all those things, I, this is what I wanted to, to say to those families here today, is God knows your situation better than you. He knows your story and he knows, he knows what's going on. And the bottom line here is no matter what your family dynamic is, he's asking every family in this room to submit to him and to live for him, no matter the dynamic. And let me remind you that God is able to work in each and every dynamic, no matter how it looks. It doesn't have to be neatly put together for then us to say, well, obviously God will now work. In fact, God will do immeasurably more than anything you could ask or imagine. And if you've got something on your heart this morning regarding your family, I encourage you to lift that to him. To lift it up to him. Cast your care on him. So today was kind of a, kind of a broad brushstroke. The answer for America. Get your families put together. Get, get on board with what Jesus wants to do. And we could all walk out of here and like, yes, that's going to fix America. But I think we need to boil it down a little bit better than that. That's a very generalized thing and, and kind of a pep rally. But let's really boil it down. How can I now take this and apply it into my life? So the first one is this. If you're here this morning and you're not in a right relationship with God, break the curse. Repent of your sin and get right with God. Bottom line. That's the starting point of this whole thing. If you're not living right with the Lord, you need to get right with the Lord right now. In the Bible, there's something referred to as generational curse. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you can think back to your family, your situation, your dynamics... And nobody really passed faith along to you. And maybe you're sitting here thinking about those individuals in your life. I'm saying this morning, break that generational curse. Get right with the Lord. Live for Him. Maybe you had a great home growing up. But you're still not living for the Lord. Break the curse. Break it. Repent of your sin and live for Him. The other thing is we need family shepherds stepping up in every home. Shepherds who are going to lead and guide their families, helping them. A family shepherd is somebody who will come alongside and bring that that emotional support that we talked about earlier, that will bring the values and, and the morals into the home, the discipline, but they'll do it in a way that God leads them in. 
not a domineering kind of way. Shepherding is such a perfect word for that because we need shepherds in the home, leading and guiding their families. And I also want to, while I'm saying that, some of you are like, well, I'm a grandparent, you know, my kids are uh, up there in age as well, and, and I, I mean, I don't need really to do anything. they got kids of their own now. Um, let me remind you that when Paul wrote to Timothy, he thanked Timothy's mom and grandma for the faith that they instilled in him. Your job's not over. And if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't have kids, I don't have grandkids, the job inside the church walls is extremely important too. I was just given a study this past summer of the number one reason for students retaining their faith when they go off to college. The number one factor in, in students hanging on to their faith when they go off to college is how many people they can name by their first name back at their home church. That was the number one factor for students retaining their faith. If you're sitting here going, oh, I've checked out Pastor Russ. I don't have any kids or grandkids. You can be involved in this as well. Mentoring, helping, shepherding here, leading kids in that way. I don't think you can give a message like this to families without saying, and I, I hope that you understand that church ought to be a priority as well. I mean, putting yourselves in environments where God can move, where God can speak and lead and direct. Attending church is huge in that. Here's another thing. Honor your family. Give honor to the members of your family. This one's big. I just want to quote Jesus here for a second. He says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own homes. Jesus wasn't able to perform as many things because he was limited by the dishonor of the people within his own ranks, in the, in, in the own home, people that he knew. And if you dishonor people in your family, I'm telling you right now, you will limit their potential. A family that flows and a family that really has things going for is a family where honor is given to each member of the family. And I'll say this too, here's some, something for the kids. There's one of the Ten Commandments. I think you probably know where I'm going with this, but it says honor your father and mother. How many of you heard that this is the commandment with the promise? You heard that before? Lift your hands if you heard that's a commandment with the promise. What's the promise? That your days will be long, but here's something else that was sandwiched in there that we don't always think about. That it will go well with you and that your days will be long. When you honor people in your family, it will go well with you. But I mean, as soon as you start showing dishonor and disrespect towards one another, it won't flow. We have to honor each other. That's huge inside a family. The other one is, I mean, you heard it in the survey from these kids. Let's make some time together as a family. Let's make that a priority. Put that at the top of your list before all the other things that can fill your calendars. Now, where in this schedule are we making time together as a family, as a whole family unit? And the last one is this, is reaching out as a family, ministering to other families. I want to share some good news with you, okay? Tuesday, it's like I said, it's a big day, election day. We'll know who our new leader is going to be. I want to just tell you this right now. After the election, oh, this is good. After the election, 
there will still be power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that, yeah, yeah. Whoever the leader is, I can share about Jesus Christ, and it still has the potential to impact them and save them from their sin and bring them out of the curse that we just talked about today. Whoever the leader is, I hope somebody got really encouraged by that. And I think that's where I'm going to end this thing, is by sharing the gospel with you and understanding that that power of God, it's here right now. And God's saying, I want to lead and guide your life, your family's life, through the power of Jesus Christ. So let's bow our heads with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you so much for, for each person that, that is listening right now. Lord, you love them, and you so desire to guide and lead their lives in a relationship with them. Lord, pouring out your blessings and your provision. But Lord, you give us free will, the ability to choose whether or not we want that in our life. And so, Father, I just lay out that invitation to anybody listening right now to repent of your sin and turn to God and break the curse and make Jesus Lord of your life and follow him. Now, with every head bowed and eye closed, if you want to make that decision today, I want to leave my life of sin, I want to follow Christ, just simply lift your hand up right now. Thank you. Anyone else? I want to repent of my sin. I want to live for God. I want to break the curse if you're living in sin and you have not made that decision. Saw another hand. Thank you. Father, thank you for these individuals who just responded by faith and faith alone to put their trust in you and receiving the grace and the mercy. and the forgiveness of their sin. We praise you. Lord, I pray over the families here this morning and some things that we've talked about, some things that you've laid on my heart. I pray that these families represented in this room, Lord, would be families that serve you, that love you, and they love each other, encourage each other, and honor each other. Lord, help our families at faith to be families that reflect Jesus to other families who are still searching. Lord, I pray as each family submits to you that you'll begin to change our culture through the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. We praise your name this morning and we thank you, Lord, for your redemption and for your hand upon the lives of those who put their trust in you to guide and lead us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.